Well, welcome to the SEMRC LEAD podcast featuring epic supply chain lessons from our industry partners. I'm your host, Donnie Williams, Executive Director of the Supply Chain Management Research Center and Clinical Associate Professor of Supply Chain at the Walton College of Business at the University of Arkansas. Today, I would like to welcome Greg Smith, the Executive VP of Supply Chain with Walmart U.S. Stores, right? And so, uh, Greg, thank you for being here. Why don't you take a moment and introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about your background and and what in the world do you do today? Absolutely. Happy to. <laughs> well, first of all, hello, Donnie. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here with you today. Uh, my name is Greg Smith, and I have the pleasure of leading the supply chain organization for Walmart for the stores as well as for our e-commerce business. And so my responsibility at Walmart is to lead our 115,000 associates across our 200 distribution centers and our transportation fleet uh, of about 9,000 9, very professional drivers and the movement of all of our goods across our import as well as all across the United States. So uh, great team of resources at Walmart. I've been there for three years now. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, spent uh, about 30 years, 32 years actually, with um, CPG industry and with the most recently five years with Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company. So everywhere I've ever been, Walmart has been our, one of our biggest and most important customers. So it's great to be on this side of the desk now. I say so it's a natural fit for you, right? So you're dealing with so many suppliers and trying to make sure that uh, uh, you understand kind of their needs and they understand yours. And so you've operated in both roles now. Indeed, okay. indeed. Well, we're going to talk about some more of that CPG element a little bit later because I know that's certainly a area of discussion that our, our listeners would be interested in. But before we get there, I want to talk to you just some about some big overarching items that you guys are dealing with and kind of get your thoughts on it. So the world of supply chain, it's really changing Yes, it is quite a bit right now, particularly as it relates to customer expectations. We look at e-commerce, the technology. Um Certainly in your role as, as Walmart has brought the supply chain finance and e-commerce under your umbrella, those functions, it's really given you a unique insight into the complexity that we're dealing with. So can you talk a little bit about the opportunities and challenges that you see as most critical for Walmart, particularly as a supply chain moving forward in the next few years? Yeah, absolutely. You know, people, when they look at us, they look at us as Walmart, right? So they don't look at us as a store business or they look at us as, as an e-commerce business. We basically think about it from an omni-channel standpoint. So irregardless of what the customer is, who the customer is and what their needs are, we've got to make sure that we deliver those expectations. Mm-hmm. And I would tell you, you know, things are changing dramatically. Uh, first of all, assortment. You think about a, a supercenter that historically in the past has had 115,000 items in it. And now as you get to the Internet, you're seeing, you know, multiple millions worth of items. So, you know, as we think about it, we're trying to build a supply chain, an integrated supply chain that's able to service all of our customers. It's our physical assets of our, of our, our warehouses. It's also our fulfillment centers. And we have the advantage of having 4,700 stores, 600 clubs across the United States that are roughly about 10 miles from 90% of the U.S. population. So, you know, as we think about the future, it's critical for us to make sure that we are in stock, that we're able to service a much broader array of assortment, and that we're able to make sure that uh, we bring accuracy, we bring precision, and we bring perfection. So those are two words that we're really starting to use more than we probably ever have, of ensuring that the quality is there, from the time of delivery of our loads to the products on shelf, mm. but also making sure the accuracy of the items and the accuracy of the inventory, because what we want to make sure whether you're ordering on the internet or whether you're coming to the store, that ultimately the customer has the products they need so they can conclude their transaction with us. So you bring up another word there, though, that I think is a fascinating word, and depending on who you talk to, it creates different um, reactions, I guess you would say. But when you talk about integrated from a supply chain perspective, 
of course, we teach that theoretically, right, in our classes. And but executing integration extremely difficult. Can it you is. talk about that? And so, because there's two ways, right? There's integrated internally that you're talking about, but then externally with your supply chain partners as well. How are you guys thinking about that? And what's what is why is that so challenging? And then what are some of the things that you guys can do to overcome those challenges? Well, it's complicated and challenging, I'd say, just because of the complexity of it. When you think about the fact we move eight and a half million, eight and a half billion items a year through our supply chain from a significant number of suppliers across a number of different nodes, ultimately going to a lot of different nodes of where they're ultimately executing. So the ability to integrate and to be able to take the miles out, to take the capacity up, and ensure that we're moving products as quickly, as efficiently, and as, as quickly through the process as we can. You know, the supply chain continues to get faster and faster, too. Two-day delivery, one-day delivery, same-day delivery. So, you know, we've got to be able to make sure that we've got a good transparency and understanding of the items and how they're flowing and then how we optimize those. Now, externally, working with our partners is critical. Mm-hmm. You know, you've heard, I'm sure, our, our initiative several years ago about on time and full. Right. You know, ultimately, it's important for us to have the product on the shelf. Well, if products don't arrive at the time that we need them to in our distribution network, they can't get on the shelf at the time that they're needed there. So we've been working very closely over the last few years with our vendor partners to ensure that we are getting the right product, right place, right time. Right. We've seen significant improvement there. And as we move forward, being able to have better transparency, having better integration, and to make sure that we can share across information and data across the overall value chain is going to make sure that we take waste and loss out for both parties and make as efficient a supply chain as we can. I love that, and I love the complexity that you talk about. And so I want to pivot just a little bit and talk about the e-commerce that adds to this complexity, right? And so right now, Walmart, if we're looking at just the basic statistics, you guys are averaging, I think, 35 to 45, somewhere in between that range, growth each quarter in your e-commerce uh, deliveries, That's right? correct, yes. And so when we think about that, you're, you're leading the industry there. E-commerce, though, as an overall total of all retail sales, is still less than 20%, and it's projected to be less than 23%, even moving in the next three to five years. Omnichannel complexity, as you began to speak about it, is at everyone's, particularly executives, forefront of their minds. How are you guys thinking about this since it's still such a small part of the overall uh, revenue that you're dealing with, but it's it's a fast-paced growing area? in general? No, that's a great question because um, on scale, it is still small, but it is our fastest growing and very important segment to us. And it's, you know, it manifests itself in a number of ways, right? There are those things that show up on your front doorstep Mm -hmm. that we actually ship from fulfillment centers. You know, you've seen our business has grown significantly within online grocery pickup. We're in excess of over 3,000 stores now where people can click and pick up. Uh, We're also starting home delivery from our, our stores. Um, to our to people's homes, and in some cases in three markets now, we're actually taking products into the house and putting them in the refrigerator for them. So it's a very broad array of delivery services that we have to achieve. Mm-hmm. And irregardless um, of which channel it is, people want perfection. They want the items. They want the items they ordered. They don't want substitution. They want to make sure that we have the freshest products and accurately to them when they place their order. So it's really about integrating all those aspects of the segmented supply chain to make sure that we're leveraging our scale and we're leveraging our efficiency to deliver irregardless of how the customer wants to be serviced. I've heard you say the word irregardless quite a bit today. And that's really a customer outcome, right? It doesn't matter where it's coming from. Irregardless, we've got to execute. Correct. Um, 
I've actually got a colleague, and, and we've talked about this off and on over the years, but we're actually wondering if whether or not strategies, you know, the basic strategies that Porter came out with in the 80s, right, that every company looked at. Perhaps another element of strategy that we don't think about is it doesn't matter what product we are, whether it's a luxury item or just a commodity item. The issue is can we strategically execute? Can you talk about execution and what that means for you guys? Well, execution for us is, you know, it's really kind of the end of the, end of the day. It's a scorecard every day mm-hmm. because ultimately, you know, in a perfect world, we have 100 percent availability to our customers at all times, every time. And so it goes back to the old adage of right product, right place, right time, right quality, right cost, right? And so execution for us is ensuring we've got 115,000 people across our supply chain, and we've got a lot of very important partners that supply us. So Mm -hmm. for us, it's ensuring that whether it's our resources or whether it's third-party resources, you know, that are um, third-party carriers or whether distribution networks that we use, and making sure that we can execute every day, continually follow the processes and ensure that ultimately we deliver against those needs for the customer. And I think, you know, part of what we have to be is we have to be customer-focused. We have to be just basically enamored with ensuring that that customer is satisfied and they get what they want. Because ultimately, the only person that can fire you is the customer. Right. And we've got to make sure Mr. Walton said that many years ago and said through our halls many times is we got to get it right for the customer. The customer can make another choice. So that's what we strive to do every day. Excuse me. Whenever I'm talking to our undergrad students, uh, sophomores coming into our introduction to supply chain class, one of the things we talk about is that integration and collaboration is so critical across the supply chain partners because the only real money coming into the supply chain is from those end consumers, right? How do you work with CPG companies and some of your supply chain partners to ensure that they understand they're not just serving you, they're serving those end consumers? Right. So, you know, we do a lot. I I think, um, you know, the interaction that we have with CPG industry and even with home goods suppliers, you know, across our entire entire, uh, supplier base, you know, we spend a lot of time with them, first of all, helping them understand strategy, what it is we're trying to accomplish as a company, and therefore, what does that mean, and what's the expectation, then the strategies that we have to deliver for supply chain, and then really how do we interact with them, and how do we best interact together. You know, there are companies out there that will go as far as value stream mapping, or we'll go through the entire supply chain on our side and their side, right? Because ultimately, at the end of the day, you know, our mission is to help people save money so they can live better. Hmm. And everyday low prices means everyday low costs. Right. That means taking inefficiency. It means taking a loss out. And so it is important for us to make sure that our trading partners are taking that loss out as well so they don't pass, you know, costs on to us and that we take uh, costs out on our side so we can make sure that we fulfill that mission. So I would tell you, um, whether it's small forums, I recently spent a day in one of our distribution centers with our top 10 home suppliers. We spent the day going through their strategies, through our strategies. We took their resources through our distribution centers. We talked to them about the importance of making sure that the loads are accurate when they come in, to make sure the packaging is correct, to make sure the data accuracy is right, so that we don't require rework on either side. So I tell you, there's a lot of integration and a lot of um, uh, interaction that takes place, not just at our merchant level, but also with our respective supply chains to make sure that we understand what each other are trying to accomplish and how can we best work together to accomplish it. I love that. I also think I've heard many uh, analysts say that if you look at what's happening in retail, it's possible that the retail outlet, and we're certainly seeing this with home delivery um, and grocery store pickup that you guys are, are, are rolling out and have been so successful with. But if you think about the retail outlet now as an extended distribution network, and so we're almost watching before our eyes a reconfiguration of the supply chain happening right now. 
in your mind, what is going to happen in the next two to three years? Because those, those, the transitions that we're seeing are speeding up so quickly, right? And it's happening so quickly. We don't really need to look 10 years from now. We need to look three to five years from now. What are you seeing that's going to happen with our distribution networks, our supply chain networks, as it relates in retail and customers having accessibility? You know, I, I would tell you, I think the we believe the customers' expectations will continue to increase. Hmm. You know, we're going to have to continue to improve our precision and perfection. We're going to have to do that at the right cost. And I think there's a lot of new technology that we are starting to deploy across the organization, whether it's supply chain, across the back of our stores, whatever that might be. You know, we are driving heavy de degrees of automation, you know, robotics that we're starting to bring in. You know, some of the, um, the, the key focus being for us is how do we take friction out? How do we take loss out? How do we take friction out for our associates? And how do we take friction out for our customers? So if there's a pain point with them, you know, our customers are telling us every year that, you know, the cost is, is very important, but also convenience is also something that's becoming increasingly important. So how do you take friction out of them? Whether that's self-checkouts in our stores so they can get through them faster, whether that's putting uh, ASRS systems in the front of the uh, of the building so they can walk in and pick things up quickly, you know, or whether that's doing automation in the back of our stores or using robotics through our stores to help us get better data signals. I think you're going to see us leverage technology in a greater way for that automation, but you're also going to start to see, I think, more about trans um, transparency as it relates to our systems and starting to to share systems so that we have the ability to continue to drive, you know, artificial intelligence and help make better decisions and make those decisions more quickly. Because when you think about all the complexity of this, there's a lot of information. And being able to take that information and, and harness it and make it very productive for us is going to be a, a high priority for us. So I think the complexity will continue to increase. I think the ass the assortment will continue to increase, mm. and I think our ability to be able to leverage the new technology and capabilities to take more and more complex data and make more meaningful um, implications from it and act on those to take friction out is really going to be very important to us in the future. I think this is a great segue into some questions I had related to innovation in general. And so when you think historically and through your years of experience, I know um, typically we see the logistics and supply chain space has been slow to innovate although there's always been some uh, early adopters and those that are pushing those boundaries forward, and Walmart's always been one of those. Um, but the increase of innovation in this space is really exciting to watch and what's happening. And I'm just thinking about the robots that you guys yes. have scanning the aisles right now in uh, some of your stores in New yes. Jersey and some other spaces, right? And so it's, it's changing the nature of, of human capital and what you need uh, your workers to do in those spaces. Uh, can you talk about kind of that the partnership of innovation and how that's going to change your workforce moving forward and how you guys are thinking about that. Absolutely. So, you know, I think when you look at industry, industrial 4.0 or, or you know, whatever you want to call the movement of what we're going through right now, mm -hmm. right, it's uh, industrial evolution 4.0. You know, there's just so much capability that exists out there that we're really starting to, to, to take advantage of. And so whether that's robotics in our distribution centers, whether that is, you know, autonomous vehicles that we're running in our DCs and our yards or across the, the highways of the U.S., you know, there's just so much technology that, that is upon us. And we're starting to deploy that not only in, uh, in proof of concepts, but also in broader approaches to be able to, again, solve problems and take friction out. The other thing, though, that's critical for us is to make sure that our, our associates are ready for that. Mm. So we are starting to do more and more. We have stood up about, uh, over the last couple of years, about 200 academies within our stores 
where we're actually training our associates and we're bringing them on a routine basis to make sure that we upscale and that we're giving them the skills and capabilities they need to be successful. We're doing the same thing in our in our supply chain. Uh, we stood up our first um, academy a couple weeks ago. I was uh, going to ask you about that. Yes, yeah, I'm a... traveling to uh, to uh, Ohio tomorrow to, to basically for the, the grand opening of the, of the second one. Great. So we're starting to put more and more of our associates through, and so not just leadership but functional, technical knowledge uh, and uh, business acumen. That really trying to help upskill them to have them ready for the future, and to make sure that they are ready for the technology. And it's a it's a big change. I mean, if you have some of these facilities that have been highly manual in the past, and we start moving to automation. It's about more of a manufacturing environment now. It's more about reliability. It's about maintainability, but it's a different skill set. So mm-hmm. we're starting to bring more and more people in with the new skill sets. We're also developing and training our people to make sure they're ready as well. I really love that a corporation, particularly the size of Walmart, can look at that and say, how can we help the the human capital that we currently have in place? And I've, I, I constantly tell our students, uh, make sure you always have a skill set that's learning and evolving, yes. right? And so that's imperative for you to constantly make sure that you are marketable, that you have marketable skills. In this space, though, in the innovation and continual learning that we think about, there's also this element of startups and innovative companies, and we think about venture capitalists. And so we saw this past summer where Walmart partnered with Plug and Play, J.B. Hunt, Tyson. Um, in really thinking about, particularly in the northwest Arkansas community, how do we create a, an environment where we have entrepreneurship and innovation and startup companies? How are you guys thinking about that, and how does it fit into the plans that you guys are working with in this innovative space? You know, we're really excited about the uh, partnership with Plug and Play, and you know, we're probably six months into it now, mm-hmm. and have uh, probably fifteen or twenty different models that we're working through right now. But for us, it's really an opportunity to bring some very creative minds, you know, with some very creative ideas, and put them against some of the problems that we have. You know, and there's some things that we're seeing so far, you know, in in uh, really almost in every aspect of our business that's intriguing. And there's some situations where we actually are solving for the same problem. So J.B. Hunt, we may be looking at the same issue as it relates to transportation. There may be other areas in our distribution network where we have an individual problem uh, that we need to solve ourselves. So it's having access to those very talented, creative, innovative mindsets, putting them together with our business problems, and then working together cooperatively to help develop the idea out against the intended outcome that we're seeking. Mm-hmm. Two more questions, really big ones, and um, that that I'd love to hear your thoughts on. Now, obviously, with the Supply Chain Management Research Center at the University of Arkansas, we have a lot of partners, and Walmart is certainly one of our strongest partners there. But we also have a lot of your supply chain partners, CPG companies. And with your background in the CPG world, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. So we talked about that integration, full execution. But if you're looking at... Um, CPG, the world of CPGs right now, trying to figure out how do we work with retailers? How do we work with Walmart? How do we continue to make sure that we are positioning ourselves for the changes that's going to happen in the next three to five years? How would you talk to them and encourage them to think about supply chain and what it means to actually work with a large retailer like Walmart moving forward right now? You know, I'd say some of our expectations are, are pretty fundamental, and they'll continue to increase. I mean, I, I used OTIF as an example earlier, right? And we've mm-hmm. seen tremendous progress in on-time and full mm-hmm. that's taken place. Um, I would tell you today we're still not satisfied with where we are. Sure. You know, and we look at that, and you think about ultimately 
back to the point I made about ensuring that every time we have the right product on the shelf when, we, when it's necessary and needed, you know, it's to continue to get products on time and in full. And I think Doug McMillan said it well at one of our recent growth forums with our suppliers. He says, we work so hard together when we, uh, we you know, to work on getting an order to you. Mm-hmm. Please fill it. Right. Uh, I think the fundamentals of, you know, on time and in full is, is still a very fundamental piece of that. But I think as we get the technology and we get to the ability to be able to move things through our supply chain more rapidly and without as much failure as we have, whether that's in master data, whether that's in packaging configurations, whether that's in, you know, the way that we label today the, the products. I mean, those are going to be things that are going to be increasingly important because what we're starting to do now is enable our supply chain to allocate more dynamically. Mm-hmm. So and it used to be in the old days that we'd place an order, and at the time we had the data we had at that time. But now as we're starting to read our points of sale and we're starting to understand more what's happening in our stores, we can now dynamically allocate the product, A, when it arrives at our first node, B, when it arrives at our second node, and we can get much more accurate. Well, that only happens when the ability to be able to be able to read data that's accurate. So, you know, we're, we're spending more and more time with our supply base to talk about the future and really what our needs are going to be and how we work it together. So, you know, as you and I have discussed and, and, and others, you know, the ability here in Northwest Arkansas to start, you know, collaborating more and, and helping people have access to, to Walmart and helping understand what our needs are, mm-hmm. I think is very important. But we're spending a lot more of our time and standing up more resources internally to partner with the supply chains of the CPGs and the other companies. Because, again, we see it as one value chain, right? right. And ultimately, it's a about taking loss out, it's taking inefficiency out, it's having transparency. None of us want excess inventory. Right. You know, we want to make sure that you know, we can do it as efficiently as possible. So, you know, we're moving more and more collaboratively, and we're making uh, strides to share more data and to make sure that we're talking expectations in advance so that people are prepared for it, and then they can execute accordingly. So one of the things that you've alluded to, again, uh, multiple times now, and you and I were talking about it just before we went on uh, the air here, is this Northwest Arkansas environment. I would really classify it as a retail supply chain cluster, if you're really thinking about that, and the innovation that happens here, the talent that's being drawn here. Um, And that really is attributable to a lot of the initiatives that Walmart, J.B. Hunt, Tyson, some of the anchor companies in this area have really worked to invest back in their communities. Can you talk about what that has meant for, for you personally and for Walmart in general and what that means for Northwest Arkansas as an area where we can attract really great talent to this area. Sure. No, I, I you know, I've been officially here for three years. I've been traveling here for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And it's remarkable to me what's happened in Northwest Arkansas over that period of time. But I think a lot of the credit and the development and really what's happened here, you know, goes back to the companies. And not only the companies, but the families that founded the companies, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I look at what Walmart does to, you know, to affect the ecosystem and to make sure, you know, we're bringing the right, the right supply base in and we're making sure that we're, you know, whether it's the AMP or whether it's other, it's Crystal Bridges or whether it's other, you know, uh, other uh, key highlights of the area really help attract people. Um, but the investment back in, you know, when you look at the bike trails and you look at the, you know, again, the, the um, momentary that's coming up here and starting up next, you know, next spring. I mean, there's just so much outreach to the community to make sure that this is a place that people want to live hmm. and people can thrive and they can raise families and that we can continue to build that ecosystem, right? So, you know, tremendous amount of investment here from, uh, you know, the Walton family specifically, just inspired by what they do to give back to the community. And I know that that's that's consistent with the Tyson family, that's consistent, you know, with Miss Hunt and the Hunt family 
But it's just really remarkable to see what's happening in this area. And, you know, it's as much as it's changed in my three years here, mm. it's remarkable what's on the forefront. And I think as we do more and more to, to bring plug-and-play and bring more and more uh, technical resources in and get this to be more of an area where we've got, you know, the skill sets of the future, I think that's just going to continue to perpetuate the growth of the area. And you guys are actually doing that with the new Walmart campus that's going to be coming out. Can you talk about that a little bit? We are. No, I think today, and I'll get this number probably wrong, but I think there are 24 buildings that we reside in across the the area. But uh, I think the environment will us will change greatly, mm. and we're starting to actually build it now, take down all buildings. And I think over the next five years, we'll have a fully integrated campus where which you know, really is the is a very good collaborative collaborative space with the good technology. And really, a great conducive environment for you know many years to come. So we're really excited about seeing the uh, the old buildings go down, to see the plans for the new buildings go up, right? And uh, you know, lay the future for for many years. It's definitely an exciting time to be in Northwest Arkansas, it is right? Indeed. So I want to ask you uh, my last thing. I always want to bring this back to our students. Sure. And so uh, one of the things I really appreciate about you is you really value education. You give back to education, both at your alma mater at Tennessee and and here you're engaging with us. And so I want to th- ask you a question just in general about student success. Um, one of our values with the SMRC is that we want to cultivate student success as much as possible. And so if, I'm, if you were going to say anything to our students, future supply chain leaders, what kind of advice would you give them? What would you encourage them to think about as they begin to prepare to embark on their careers? And even as they're selecting majors, as they're working through their collegiate career, what, what would you say to them? You know, I, w- I would start by saying probably there's never been a better time to be in supply chain than today. Mm. And I look at my 35-year career and see how it's evolved. It's, it's remarkable today. We fundamentally believe, you know, with the technology that exists today, you know, people have assortment visibility. They have pricing visibility. And the companies that are going to win are the ones that are going to be the best at supply chain. Hmm. And so we fundamentally believe that, and that's one of the reasons we're investing so heavily And that was Sam's mantra chain. from the beginning. It was. Yeah. He, he, he wrote the book. Yes. Right? So what I would tell you is whether it's, it's supply chain, whether it's data science, you know, you really want to be somebody who can solve big problems hmm. and somebody who can be excited by solving big problems, right? Because as far as supply chain has come, I would tell you there's still so much further ahead that we've got to solve. And so uh, people that have the curiosity, the good, strong work ethic, but really, quite frankly, at the end of the day, the ability to be able to solve complicated, complex problems, there's a tremendous opportunity for those folks and, and uh, those students and uh, those young people because uh, it's an exciting career. And it's, a, it's an exciting place to be. Well, Greg, thank you so much for this epic discussion. Donnie, happy so, to do it. Um, I want to thank our audience, too, for taking the time to listen. And on behalf of the Walton SCMRC, we are delighted to lead with you as we learn, engage, address, and develop all things supply chain to lead the world of commerce for Northwest Arkansas. Have a wonderful day.